creatives, and welcome to the podcast, where we get to hear stories and insights from leaders in the Catholic creative world every week. This week, we have a conversation with Sarah Yaklik, digital media specialist and the director of the Grotto Network. In this podcast, Marcellino and Sarah discuss changing the paradigm of how we as Catholic creatives use and think about social media. They talk about what transformation in social media platforms would look like, how the Father calls us to work alongside Him in this mission, and how we can encourage one another to create in freedom with the Father and fight the urge to perform. Let's check it out. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. How do you say your last name? I actually like, I haven't heard it said yet. So I'm still, you know. <laughs> so, so there are a couple of ways out there, but technically the correct way is Yaklik. Yaklik. There you go. <laughs> what ethnicity is that? Yeah. So I'm proud to be um, a strong Polish Catholic woman. <laughs> uh, my grandparents came from Poland. I claim as much Polish heritage as possible. <laughs> nice. Do you speak Polish at all? Or you know what? Unfortunately, I don't. And uh, last summer, in when I worked for the Archdiocese of Washington, I traveled, or two summers ago now, I traveled to Krakow for World Youth Day, and I actually got to meet my family for the first time. And we went old school, used a dictionary to um, make our way together. <laughs> so not, not even Google Translate, but a good old school paper dictionary. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I feel kind of useless in that my name is Marcelino D'Ambrosio and I don't speak any Italian at all. So It's sad some days, right? <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way. <laughs> so Sarah, I'd love to just give people a little bit of an idea of who you are. So yeah, what do you do when people ask you that question? What do you sell them? I say I am a digital media specialist who loves to evangelize along the digital highways. Um, so right now, I'm the director of Grotto Network, a project out of the University of Notre Dame. I'm really trying to use digital media, storytelling, authentic storytelling, editorial commentary to bring the good news and the truth of Jesus to the world. Nice. That's quite the pitch. Well done. The digital <laughs> highways. I like that. It's, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> Streaming with lots of people <laughs> all along various parts of the journey. So tell me, like, just give me some setting. Where are you right now? So right now I'm sitting in Corbett Family Hall, which is um, part of Notre Dame Studios. It's this great initiative that just opened the building last fall, right before the start of the football season. And I'm part of uh, Grotto Network is part of Notre Dame Studios. So it's this great collaboration between academics and university communications and faith and athletics just to tell the story of the full human person in the being. And so we get to work together side by side. And our side is the faith aspect. Sweet. I love the, uh, yeah, you've got like TV behind you. It's like the yeah. broader network. Yes. Like, you're so high tech, man. I love that. <laughs> you know, trying. <laughs> That's right. Got to go big for the Lord, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. So tell me, just, I'd love to hear a little bit of your story, uh, just what brought you to where you are, but I'd love to start with just the question of like, who were you in high school? What kid were you, Sarah? Yeah. Ooh, wow. Going back to high school. Okay. So, you know, what? in high school, I think I was a dreamer. I um, came from a very, very small town in Northeast Pennsylvania. My town was so small that there were not even stoplights in the town. We didn't even have a police department. We were part of the township. So very, very small town. Um, but somehow there was this yearning in my heart, I think, for a global understanding of the world and how we fit to that. And I think that even though I came from a place, a small place, I came from like a coal mining town. So I knew hard work and I we were an immigrant people. The immigrants built up the, the churches in our town. And so I knew that there was something so great out there in the world. And I just dreamed of wanting to be part of that story. But I never, ever thought I would be in communications. I thought I was going to do public interest law and advocate for the poor, the vulnerable, or families. And God had a different plan. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a story from from that time that, you know, just like expresses Sarah and her most distilled expression oh, yeah. of self. Hmm. <laughs> Ooh, story. I, I love stories. Okay, here's a story. So 
I was inspired by my family. So my mom's only brother was mentally disabled, and he really taught me to look through life through heaven's eyes. And he's just complete innocence and way to see the world in such a beautiful way just always inspired me. And, you know, I had that desire, as I said, to, you know, have a, a global perspective. And so I started with my family, I started picking blueberries. We were in a small town and with some farms in the woods, and I was selling the blueberries to be able to put that towards a mission trip. And so there you have it. Young Sarah, inspire, inspired by the people around her to go out and, and see the beauty and the depth and breadth of the world. Nice. So you were Catholic full time straight through. Were you like youth group kid? What was kind of like the, the group that you rolled with? Yeah, yeah. So I did. I was the youth group kid. Now, my parish was a really small parish. So you didn't necessarily so have So you were like one of two, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, my young adult or my youth ministry was being a lector in the church, right? There wasn't really Sunday youth ministry. But the Scranton Diocese was uh, pretty active in their retreat work and their outreach summer program leadership development. And so I found myself kind of taking part in that and, and kind of helping other people along the journey. I didn't realize that's what was happening. I thought they were helping me along the journey. But looking back, I could see how we were kind of in it together. Yeah. So you, you were always like a pretty good kid. I'm just assuming that you took the highest classes possible and just nailed them. It just seems like you're the type of person that <laughs> high achiever and all that. So. You know what? Yeah, I probably took more classes than I should have. You know, there's blessings and crosses with that. Uh, yeah, I, I I tried my best, and I and I think too, I had you know a brother also with special needs who again just has taught me so incredibly much, and so. I think the desire to to study and explore because I, you know, have the gift of the intellect that God, you know, gave. And so I think that's kind of why it was just like, don't waste what is here, you know, go out and search and, and let God expand that for you. And so I think it was more of a curiosity, maybe that kind of set me out to explore and to take as much in as possible. Sweet. So that brought you to DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, uh, was debating between going to a school closer to home, um, Northeast Pennsylvania, or making the trip to DC. And it was actually, I, I owe it to one of my brother's brain surgeons who said to my mom, like, make sure Sarah goes away for school. Like, make sure that she f feels free to do that. And that always kind of stuck with me. It, it took me months to give myself the freedom to say yes. But I promised myself the day before my birthday, the Feast of St. Joseph, I would pick what school I was going to go to. And I was actually at my grandma's house looking out the window, just praying like, all right, St. Joseph, I need help here. Give me the freedom to make that trip to, trip to DC. And I looked outside the window and I saw a cardinal and CUA are the cardinals. And I said, okay, Lord, there's my answer. I've got the freedom. I'm, I'm going to Catholic U. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I definitely feel like when you come from a family that, that has that kind of either there's like there's challenges at home or like special needs or, or something like that. There's there's always at least one kid who feels like super responsible and wants to like take care of the family unit. And sometimes it's it's really tough to do what you yeah, what you're talking about right now, just taking the leap and into something that you feel like exploration is like so important and curiosity is so important to you that you would be willing to like step into that. That had to be kind of a tension. No, for sure. And I feel like sometimes we're afraid of those moments of tension that we have that are put in our hearts. And I think feel like in those moments of tension is where actually God allows us to grow and he expands our understanding of him and our understanding of ourselves. And I think we're afraid of that moment of tension or th that place of existence. But I think when we give ourselves the freedom to sit there, we could hear his voice a little bit stronger. And he does. He gives us the grace to say, no, I'm leading you here, Sarah. This is this is not a desire that you've put on your heart. The Holy Spirit has implanted there. Like that dream is not of you. That's of me. So like have courage, my daughter, go out, go and search and I'll walk with you. You know, he's not going to leave us alone. But oh, man, sometimes it's uh, scary. <laughs> Uh, it's so good. No, I love that. It's I'm, and we were just talking about before um, this conversation while we were uh, just kind of getting prepped that like something that's on your heart is that uh, just being willing to risk it all for the sake of the gospel and communicating that to the world. I just feel like that's uh, you know that that definitely feels like what you're talking about right now in some ways. Like yeah. there's you've got to be free. And willing to be courageous to step into that place if you want to have the impact 
that that God created you for. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, I think when I look back, it was it was about a year from right now where I was discerning whether or not to leave the Archdiocese of Washington and make my way to Notre Dame to lead Grotto Network. And yeah, I mean, I, I loved everything that was in DC. I, I love my friends. I love my faith community. I, I had like a family that was developed there. I I loved the work that I was doing. I, I really respected um, His Eminence Cardinal World and helped building up his digital presence. And and then God gifted me with opportunity to say, Sarah. You know, I'm, I'm calling you to to try this new venture, and it's not always easy to say yes because um, fear, like fear, is strong, and it sometimes it's paralyzing and crippling. But wow, like the, the gift that you experience when you say, "Okay, Lord, I'm risking this for you," because I believe that you're in that place and you're inviting me, and it's quite freeing. But it takes a lot of us, right, to be able to give over that yes sometimes. Yeah, tell me a story of one moment where you felt. Like you had to really risk for for yeah. what you feel like God was calling you to. You know, I think it's almost like and not a particular story, but it's almost the day-to-day experience right now with Grotto, right? So we're really trying to reach people, our generation, young people who need of inspiration and, and beauty to, to lead them closer to an encounter with Jesus. But we're really trying to say, wow, there are so many young people out there who aren't engaging in coming to Mass in the parish communities and, and maybe are away from the faith. And we have to, I, I feel like as church, risk it all to say, okay, Lord, how do we take the beauty of our faith, the beauty of the words that we proclaim every Sunday, the beauty that are in sacred scriptures and in the catechism and all the teaching of the church, how do we take those words, that beauty, and and make it known to people who are away from you, right? It's hard. We're, we're, we're living in a world right now that doesn't like the language that the church so beautifully proclaims. And so every day waking up to say, okay, Lord, I trust that the message that we're trying to to share with Grotto Network is your message. But we've got a risk. You have got to lead this because right now it's it's a challenge. And so I turn it all over, hands down, the whole project over, place it in your hands and you will make it beautiful. But that that's risking on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's risky about it to you? I mean, I, I definitely have my own answer to that question. But um... Yeah, I, I think it's risky because I think we're all trying to learn how to proclaim the beauty of God's faith in a very polarized world, especially here in America. I think we're very polarized. And how do we say to the world, we're in no way diminishing the truth. We're in no way um, bringing down the the beauty of who Jesus is and and who and what he invites us to. Um, But trying to find those right words, like you had to be able to be very vulnerable to say, we may fail in our outreach. Maybe this approach is not right, but right now I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the way to go. Meet people at their entry points. Like look at Jesus as the prime communicator and see how he taught and how he communicated when he walked this earth over 2000 years ago. Follow that example and do the best you can and see if it will draw people um, closer to an encounter. But you're putting yourself out there. You're trying to make the beauty of Jesus known to the world. And, and some may push back and say, maybe that approach is not right, but you have to be willing to say, okay, I'm trying. I just think in general, it's so risky to hope, yeah. just period. If you looking at the world as it is and looking at the church as she is right now mm-hmm. to say like, I believe you, God, that you, you can bring your kingdom here yeah. can just be the most risky thing in the world because there are so many opportunities to be disappointed. Growing up in the church is sort of a pastor's kid in a way. Like my dad's a theologian and he was working at the University of Dallas for a long time when I was young. And we would have Catholic speakers coming through all the time and hanging out at our house, having dinner and like talking about how stupid the atheists and Protestants are. And like, <laughs> I would go to school and like try to say the same things that they had been saying at the dinner table and just get destroyed. Yep. <laughs> yes. I had this attitude of just being, you know, it's me against the world. We're going to solve mm-hmm. it. But then it just felt like I had zero impact. It was like just an opportunity for everyone else to laugh at me when I was like trying to trying to <laughs> yeah. do that. I don't think that being combative and like throwing down the gauntlet like mm-hmm. little Marcelino 12-year-old <laughs> was really <laughs> the right move or like helpful. But uh, at the same time, I, I guess more of just that attitude that I had of I'm going to take it on and then just going in just being like totally shut down. Uh, <laughs> by teachers, by like mm-hmm, friends, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah. And couple that with just the challenges that our world face. I mean, there's violence all around. We see the destruction of hope. You know, we we talk about, I was looking at images of this past weekend's The March for Our Lives and like the beauty of young people standing up to say we don't want violence. And then I started looking at some of the images and I felt like the words on some of the signs spoke this like language of violence. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, it, it is really hard to hope in the midst of all of this. Like even trying, people trying to raise their voices to to build hope, it's we see that our world is so broken that sometimes it's it's hard to believe that yeah the resurrection is real, <laughs> you know like it, it could be overwhelming and and it's like no we we have to believe that light is stronger than darkness but sometimes especially if you feel alone in your mission then whew, that it it's hard <laughs> you know it's, it's it's a reminder to equip ourselves with missionaries who are going to be with us to to walk with us on our journey without them I think it's 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 possible but very difficult. I was listening to um, the talk that you gave at uh, Notre Dame recently about just how to, like, I don't know, how to communicate the gospel mm-hmm. digitally. And uh, you, it was the one about the echo chamber, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> how to get out of the echo chamber. And what you had said that really struck me was that, like, if we want as a church to be, to be like actually in the media, we actually have to be transformed in our hearts first. And uh, I just feel like so, so often we like, I don't know, just try to like walk into the, into, into the church and do the same exact thing that Mm -hmm. the world is doing. We're trying to take it on ourselves. We're trying to be like the big badass that like gets it. And, you know, like everybody respects us because we have, we wrote a book on social media or whatever. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway, I I guess all, all that to say, what struck me there was that there was just something about the way that you were you were speaking that told me like you've really faced the disappointments and the difficulties of trying to be a missionary in this space and realize that you can't do it. And that's like the beginning point, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I mean, it's so true. If Think about it. As Catholic creatives, if we're trying to make Jesus's love known to the world, his story, which I do think I say it over and over again. I think, you know, the story of the Catholic faith, the story of Jesus Christ is one of the most beautiful stories the world will ever hear. But I think if we are really sincere about that desire to share that story, it can't be our own words. Sure, we're going to have our own understanding and reflection on that. And that's quite beautiful because God reveals a different part of himself, I feel like, to each one of us in a very unique way. And and that needs to be made known to the world. But again, even in that, it's God revealing it to us, right? We have to be able to, if we're going to communicate the truth, if we're going to communicate beauty, we have to first understand what that is and give ourselves the freedom to step away. So it's not us being the subject. It's not, not, not about putting ourselves out there, but putting him out there. And we have to know him first. And we have to be able to say, Jesus, help me tell the world what you need the world to hear right now yeah so good tell me about like a moment in your life where you realized that you really needed him Ah, uh, you know it's actually this is kind of a funny story it's the uh moment i moved from working in young adult ministry to working in uh digital media I was at the Archdiocese of Washington, and the Cardinal had said, um, it's time to create a digital media office. And it was after the Synod on the New Evangelization, and he was very clear that we needed to be creative in our outreach. And one of the first diocesan you know, structures to say, digital media needs to be present and part of that outreach. And so someone had asked me, Sarah, would you consider that position? And I had been, you know, working on their Facebook page and, and doing some work. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to require the redesign of the website. I'm not I'm not equipped to do that. This is way too important of a job right now. I believe that we needed to be present there. And so I said no. And they put me on the uh, interview team. And I'll never forget the day we had finished. We were in the last rounds of interview. And it just wasn't quite right. We didn't have the right person. And uh Two of my old bosses had walked in and they were on speakerphone and they said to Father Bill Byrne, they said, you know, what do you think? And he didn't know that I was on speakerphone. And he said, we just need to convince Sarah to take the job. And my response was, hi, hi Father Bill. <laughs> 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 but, but I went to bed that night and as I was closing my eyes, like just reflecting on the day, I thought, you know what, should I consider this? And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Do not even consider that. As you said, Sarah, this is too important. So I, you know, thank the Lord for the day, close my eyes. Five o'clock that next morning, I wake up out, like out of nowhere. Well, I know where the nowhere was, (laughs) uh, deep in my heart. But I heard 
Sarah, if you don't know, you could they could send you to school. If you don't know how to build a website, you could learn. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> hold up. And I decided, all right, let me take the risk. Like, let me go in and talk to them. It took me four attempts to walk down to the secretary of communications office to talk with her about it. Um, but I ended up taking the job. And and what I what I knew in that moment was maybe I wasn't the best person. I wasn't equipped with all the right digital skills, but I knew that God had put a desire in my heart to make his love known in the world. And so I needed to rely on him in the most profound way. And, you know, for in terms of for professional development and for his work. And so every day when I, I would walk into the chapel before going up to my office and my mantra was kind of took off that scriptures like, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And so I would say, okay, Lord, you are building this website. I place this in your hands. And then I said, now equip me, give me what I need. And I had a trust that he was going to give what I needed to help create a digital effort worthy of him. And what a journey it was. Yeah. So what what were you afraid of? Like, what was the fear really at, at the heart of it? You know what? I think sometimes when we work for the church, sometimes at least I have done this, where I allow fear to really cripple me and not only afraid of failing for the sake of you know myself and in terms of what I'm contributing to the world, but sometimes I place those fears in inappropriate ways and I'm afraid that I'm going to let God down. And deep in my heart, I know that God, you know, claiming a line from Mother Teresa, God does not ask us to be successful, only faithful. But I think it's really hard when you care, when you love the church so much, when you love the good news that you want to do everything you can to, you know, be a co-creator with God and a co and, and a worker um, in His kingdom. And that fear of like, Lord, if if I mess up, am I going to let you down? And we have to keep that in check, right? Because that that's that's not actually of God. That's you know the devil at work. But yeah, my greatest fear was I didn't want to let him down. I knew how important it is to to speak His words in new, fresh, creative ways. And I thought, Lord, what if what if it's not me? What if I fail? And what if I you know let you down? But at the end of the day, it's Jesus that is saving souls, right? <laughs> We're just you know the pencil in His hands, working along with Him. But he's got it. He's in control. He already won. You know, we're going to proclaim that at Easter. The victory is the victory is won. <laughs> so you know, one of the things that I've been realizing in my own life and actually through a uh, conversation with um, Jason Jensen uh, from Glass Cannabis. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he recently came on the podcast and we talked about the identity of the creative and our relationship with the Father and how important it is for us to really understand who the Father is and who we are for for us to not get caught up in like believing that our our creative effort is the it is who we are. Like it is our identity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I realized that in a lot of ways, I think we all do this, but we all, you know, have this sense of orphan in us that like we have to earn the father's respect. We have to earn his blessing. And uh, it's just not something that is just given, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think there's so much truth to that, especially in this world where we see the, I would say, the fatherhood under such attack or, or a lack thereof of strong fathers in the world. And I think it does make an impact on the world now and how we see the Heavenly Father, right? That It's a real struggle for our generation. Uh, in some sense, many people are fatherless, if you want to say. And, and I think that that clouds, you know, our vision of a father that is so loving and nothing we could, we don't have to earn his love like, and nothing we do can make us earn his love. It, it's there. We just, we have to, you know, be free enough to, or have the courage to go and embrace it because he's always there. <laughs> no matter what we do, his love is so strong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like taking that step out and just saying, yes, like you are accepting in a way that God is strong enough to make you effective. Yeah. That like, even though you felt like there are so many ways that you can screw this up. Mm-hmm. You are accepting like God is a father that is bigger than this. Yeah. And, and talk about like creative genius, right? I mean, just look at the world, the ultimate creator, the creator of all, <laughs> all that is for us to see and explore. And I think when we allow ourselves to, to say, we're trying just to point people to that, and not create that in a sense. Okay, that that's a little, I could breathe maybe a little bit easier, right? Because all things that we do in, in whatever creative aspect we are, whether it's the written word or, you know, through videography, storytelling, or, you know, 
beautiful graphic design, in a sense, we're giving, we're reflecting back the beauty that we see or the beauty that is in our hearts. And so it's, it's just giving God back that glory, but we're not the ultimate one response of the creating of creating. We are, you know, the creators of, or of his goodness. Yeah. Love that. And I just think that everything that you were saying about that in that talk about the echo chamber, like we have to be treating media in a totally from a totally different paradigm than the way that the world does. Mm -hmm. You look at this as a way to point to God and not yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's just not how like social media works. Like everywhere else. (laughs) Like it takes like a different paradigm to like look at it effectively. So like one of the things I loved about the way that you were you're talking about it was like yeah, we have to actually like preserve silence in a way. Like that's that's a part of part of it. Like we have to be mm-hmm. taking space to ourselves, yeah. valuing prayer first and not mm-hmm. just getting sucked into the busyness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so easy, right? I mean, our devices make it so easy for this constant communication and and connection and and those things are not bad, right? Like God created us to be relational beings. So the fact that we have these devices that help us to connect in new ways, in new ways are are not bad at all, but when they become our gods and and that becomes that method of communication becomes what we worship instead of who we worship, then we've got something completely turned upside down, right? And, and we can't see that if we don't create space in our life for silence. It's, it's the only way that we could do it. <laughs> yeah, I just, man, that's so true for me too. Like it's so easy for me to just get sucked into into the anxiety the busyness, the feeling of like, I need to prove myself mm-hmm. by like checking my email and making sure that nobody's upset with me right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. To the, yeah. I mean, I just think the paradigm of that, that is so different is, is that like what you just said about like, God is the one that's, that's doing the work. We're pointing at him. We're not like, it's not on our backs mm-hmm. to do this ourselves. And I think too, to, to, like when we think about like that shift in in media, I think the other part of it is that it's really the our call as Catholics to transform the platforms. So we know the church exists to evangelize. So in culture, we exist to evangelize and 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 bring about hope and all the beautiful things we've been speaking about. So if you carry that further, the church exists on new media to transform the platforms themselves. So not only are we called to bring Jesus's name and voice and vision and ministry to life along those digital highways, but we're called to transform them, right? It is, they are in some sense, narcissistic platforms. Like we post how many selfies and how many pictures of this food or this experience, right? In themselves, that's not always bad. But when again, we're always pointing to ourselves, we're losing something. And, and I think we have to be very creative in how we invite people to use new media because I don't think it there I don't think it's bad. I do think there are struggles, I think there are challenges, but I think that what where the church needs to get creative is creative in outreach and and what we put, what content we put out there, but also creative um, in approach of teaching people that the phone doesn't have to be the master of my personhood. I could I could use those devices and these new media platforms and social media channels as a way to increase my humanity in a sense, right? Or bring that to life, not allow myself to be consumed by it or addicted or yeah, allow them to become our gods. I would love to hear your dream on what it would look like for the church to transform the highways. Yeah. Oh, gosh, so I have many dreams about that. <laughs> um, I do have dreams that the church, we can not only put content out there that really sets the world on fire and makes sense for people, but somehow is putting this content content that is so beautiful and produced in a way that better than any secular organization could do. It's, you know, so something that is really speaking to the human heart, but somehow is breaking through the algorithm structures that we are gaining this amazing conversation online and building this community that doesn't exist to stay within the digital highways, but somehow from that realization of the community that is being established there is that there is a need for something so much more and that it points back to, you know, the lived experience. And so and as, as church, like we can't get anything better than the sacramental realities that what we have. Like Jesus was so wise. He knew 
in our human nature that we needed those tangibles. We needed bread. We needed wine. We needed the oils for healing and for strength. And and so if we are to really transform those digital highways, it's to create this content that is going to inspire people to put those phones down and not only walk inside of that church, but bring somebody else around to say, this is so incredible. This story is so beautiful and real, but it becomes even more beautiful when I live it out in my life. And then we're transforming the world. We've transformed digital highways and then we transform the world. So how's that for a lofty dream? <laughs> That's a great dream. I want to hear like, if you could put some more tangibles on mm-hmm, that, like mm-hmm. what would that actually look like? Yeah. So here's an example back from when I worked for the Archdiocese, right before Pope Francis came to the U.S., we said, you know, not everybody could participate in the mass. And so what can we do to make people part of this moment of history, to make people connect with our church? And so we launched Walk with Francis. And it was this online campaign where people pledged to pray in a new way or to serve, to give back to the community or advocate on behalf of an issue that really mattered to them. And we had people committing online and then we had them using the hashtag to show us pictures, like the tangible outreach of what they were doing. And we then put it together um, in a book for the Holy Father, um, a Walk with Francis social book that had screenshots of all the ways people were acting and engaging. And let me tell you, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, we had people talking about they just started prison ministry and some were working at a crisis pregnancy center and other people were doing outdoor work to care for the environment. And and I just saw this come to life and people saying, I picked up the rosary or, you know, we're having a confession service at our parish. And so all of a sudden, the invitation to say... You know, the Holy Father's coming here, but it's not just about the Holy Father's visit. It's we're called to transform D.C. We're called to transform the part of Maryland where we all live. And suddenly that invitation from online did actually move into um, engagement in the world. So it's a small example, but I think if we could do that on a daily basis, you know, then wow, there's transformation happening all over. Yeah, I feel like that's that's just how the church worked back in the day. Mm-hmm. We just have a different way of doing it now. But mm-hmm. like when the church was growing early on, it was growing because the stories were being told mm-hmm. of boldness and of, of sacrifice. I mean, the stories of the martyrs yeah. uh, were so, so powerful. They were incredible. Like the story of St. Lawrence. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people probably heard that, told that, like said that to their friend, even if they weren't Catholic, were like, this guy was such a badass. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's something super powerful about the story that like actually draws people in. And I think that like, that's the big, like horrifying sadness that I have about the way that church ch- tends to use social media is like, it's a bulletin board. Mm-hmm. We just like use it to like talk about events, but it's like, no, like the thing that you were doing right there was encouraging the sharing of the stories of yeah. grace. Yeah. And when people see that, when they like see each other sharing that too, there's a, like the ball just gets rolling. Like there's mm-hmm. momentum there. Mm-hmm. There's hope there that gets drawn out and yeah. it makes you feel like you're part of something yeah. that's powerful. It's bigger than you. That's why I'm just, I'm so encouraged by what you're doing, what, what like the Grotto Network is doing that you're not just trying to be like, all right, guys, like uh, we have mass at five and uh, you know, like, there's actually like you're trying to share the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And encouraging other people to share theirs. Right. I think we have a crisis of in witness right now um, and fear of of not knowing how to share our story or afraid of sharing our story. But it's it's perhaps what I love m- most about Grotto's outreach is that we are telling the story. We're telling the story of artists. We're telling the story of people who are giving back to their communities in the, the best way that they can. And there's nothing more hopeful in that because in each one of those experiences, God is present. Like we give witness to his goodness in that experience, in, in the moments of transformation for the individuals, um, in the moments of the art coming to life, right? We give witness to that hope and to that newness. And I'm hoping that it's going to help other people with the desire to share their stories because we each have a story and there's nothing more powerful than that. I mean, as you said, that that's how the faith has gotten passed on. Thank goodness that you, you know, the gospel writers sat and wrote down the story of the scriptures or where we would have not we wouldn't we lack the beauty of that and so we're called to do that now you know we 
the story of Jesus is alive and present today, just as it was 2000 years ago. And we owe it to each other to be able to bring those stories to life. So good. I love it. Sarah, you're awesome. So are you, Fred. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love it, man. It's so it's just so encouraging to like to hear from someone that's just believing that and like saying like, you're, you're I, I don't know, just going for it. I would love to hear more of like the story of Ground Network and how you guys came to be, why you decided to jump on board. I'm sure that our listeners, like there are people that are familiar with it and just seeing articles, but like, what's the big picture vision? How are you walking towards it? Give me the, put yeah. some flesh on the bones. Yeah. Point. So it's this great vision, actually. Um, Father John Jenkins, he was looking at all of the um, stats of young people in large numbers walking away from practicing their faith. So he said, you know, what could we at University of Notre Dame as an academic institution, what could we give to the church? How could we walk with the church and better understanding young people and and why they're leaving the faith? And and how could we maybe come up with some creative ways of communicating and, and speaking with young people to maybe inspire them to return to the faith in a more, you know, in-person way back in parish communities. And, and so that's how Grotto Network was born. And from there, I, I think with the best part of the outreach so far is, is the team, we're not afraid to dream big, right? We, I believe that we could break the algorithms. I could, I believe that we are going to find a way to break Facebook algorithms. So we open, you know, those highways up a little bit wider and walk with young people and help the church reach those young people who they're trying to reach online, right? Like when, you, when we talk about the church being on new media, we're trying hard to go out in the margins, right? That's kind of the attempt of, to go out outward to to meet people who are not already in our church doors. But unfortunately, the algorithms are not set up easily for the church to do that. You know, Facebook, they're a business. They they want lots of paid advertisements or, you know, they keep people with the same stories, the same interests connected. And I just want to to break that wide open and kind of seep in there and bring Jesus's love there in a more in-depth way and bring more people into the beauty of what we know of our Catholic What's faith. What's one thing that you guys have done that's really like given you hope that that's possible? You know what? This is a, one of our videos on a young sister, Sister Fiat. It's a short little video that shows her getting her hair cut off before she makes her uh, temporary vows. And, and she's just talking about, you know, the beautiful idea that it may seem crazy to the world that she's giving up her life to go and live in a convent. But she says this beautiful thing. She said, you know what? But love did a crazy thing in dying on the cross for me. And she is as joyful as could be. Like there are, there are images of her and her sisters playing charades. And the comments happening on YouTube around that video are so inspiring. It was, you know, there are people who have said, I don't believe in God, but I saw a sister laughing and that made me watch it. Or someone said, you know, if there are some people saying, oh, she is wasting her life. Why would you want to waste your life? And then people coming to her defense and saying, she's not wasting her life. You may see that, but I see that as, you know, contributing to the world. And so just seeing the conversation of, you know, sisters and joy equating to a conversation and allowing an atheist to say, I'm going to pause for a moment and watch this and then hear the words that Jesus did a crazy thing by dying for you. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that whole like echo chamber thing. That's such a reality for you. Like you're trying to break the the echo chamber that is social media. Mm -hmm. Like you are connected by your interests. The algorithms are serving you all the content that just makes you even more aggressively anti-whatever and like <laughs> yeah, I mean, radicalizing you more. Yeah. And, and, and think about it. We're all, especially young people, we're all in search of something. And we know that until our hearts rest in God, you know, they're going to remain restless. So we're going to be go going for the next post and the next blog and the next answer and the next video, just trying to make sense of either the wounds in our heart or whatever feels like is unfinished or or whatever's lacking. And we're just going to keep searching and searching until we recognize like who we're searching for. It's not something we're searching for. It's someone. And I do. I, I, I want 
I want us as church to, to break those algorithms and, and to bring content to people so they could breathe a little easier and say, oh, wow, this faith that I thought was that I was opposed to. Wow, maybe, maybe there's an answer there. Maybe there's something there that I need to ponder and, and, and consider. I love what you said about like, it's the restlessness that's driving so much of our anxiety and so much of our like need to click and read and like and just feed ourselves. And so much of that has to do with the wounds that are inside of us. Mm-hmm. I think that one thing that really that I struggle with a lot in the church is just like we have the answer to suffering, but we like don't talk about suffering. Yeah. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We might talk about it like, you know, in the sense of you got to just like grit through it and like persevere and hold the cross because that's what Jesus did. And I don't know, like, but I just think that so much of our, like the risk that we have to take in the paradigm that we have to shift in ourselves is like, we have to bear our own suffering. We have to show that to people. We have to show like the redemption and the resurrection inside like that has happened in us mm-hmm. it's not about like i mean all of the algorithms all the numbers all the are all the like strategy is going to be absolutely futile if we can't do that yeah and, and not being afraid of vulnerability right like I, I think we see vulnerability as weakness we're afraid this culture is afraid of weakness and i think in my own life the moments where i've allowed myself to feel most weak and just acknowledge that that's where I am, that's when the Lord enters in and builds us back up. But when we're trying to build, you know, hold on to things and make ourselves perfect and take care of the problems on our own without allowing Jesus to enter in, we're not going to get anywhere. And and so some of the, the videos on Grotto that we're trying to do, a number of series, you know, internally we call it our reimagined series. And this, these stories of, you know, moments where people were and then how some, maybe something happened in their life or, you know, just not quite how they envisioned it would turn out. But the beauty and the transformation, we're afraid of being transformed sometimes. But I think what we as creatives, we have to do our best to show those moments of tension and transformation because that's real. And, and I think it's a it's an authentic way of speaking about suffering in a way that makes sense to people and makes them more open to embracing their suffering than pushing it away. Yeah. And that's like, that's the difference. So much of what the world is doing is like, get more pissed, hurt more, be more angry, <laughs> like, yeah. or fill, like fill the void, fill the void however you can, like buy this thing. Mm-hmm. Get uh, get this girl to like you, and like what we're trying to do is get people to actually look at themselves and look, yeah. at, look at the wounds. Like that is a tall order. It's actually what people really do want. Like they mm-hmm. they want. I want that. Mm-hmm. I, when I see people getting vulnerable, it is mesmerizing. Like I cannot mm-hmm. look away. It's such a strange thing, but it's like there's a power to it that's really incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to hear about like just a moment in your life where you were feeling that that suffering or just like feeling your wounds being out there and having to like be real with people about that. Yeah. Like, what was a way that you'd taken a risk in that way to yeah, personally yeah. share your story? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I often thought about that for a while. Like, you know, I've had my own moments of pretty intense darkness and struggle. And I remember one time thinking, you know, I'm inviting other people to be courageous and share their story. How many people in my life truly have my story, truly have known those moments of my own pain? I can't be asking other people to be vulnerable if I'm not courageous enough to be vulnerable with the people that love me. And so I have learned and and it's been a tough journey of beginning to open up and share parts of my life that may appear just be so broken and, and places of wounds But I've learned when I share those stories or when I share those experiences, somehow the pain loses its grip on me. And it's how God comes in, heals us, right? It's it's that vulnerability and that connection with another that allows us to maybe see our lives more through heaven's eyes than through the lens of, you know, of how we see ourselves and how incredibly healing that is because we've allowed God to be with us 
in that pain and, and in the sharing, right? In in the sharing, he's there, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name. And I think sometimes we think of that gathered in my name just as these moments of formal prayer. But I think it's it's truly in those moments when we're being our most authentic selves, that that is a prayer back to God. Yeah. Is there one wound or like one moment of that that you would be willing to share with us, give us encouragement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Several years after school, I struggled with a pretty intense eating disorder. And there are a number of different reasons now looking back as to why and how that evolved in my life. I think one of them being this desire to, I kind of want to mention earlier about not let God down, but a really misplaced understanding of perfection and and trying to like heal parts of myself um, that I know that only God could heal. I think the, the continued lesson is even now, sometimes like those, the negative self-talk and, and those bad, you know, past behaviors, like they creep in. And, and I think that we have to not be afraid to always go to God for help. You know, like he doesn't want us to be perfect. And, and when we put that pressure on ourselves, you know, the outreach is never as great. Like if, if I'm looking for perfection with Grotto, then Grotto is not going to be as strong. If I'm, if I'm encouraging our team to make Grotto everything that God wants Grotto to be, he's going to take care of that, right? And, and we, again, going back to what we talked about earlier about not being afraid to, to risk or to fail. But yeah, if we make a mistake, it's okay. And I'm going to say we've made a mistake or we haven't done justice to, to this story that God wants us to tell. But we learn from that. And our, the next time we do something, the next time we write a, an editorial content or the next social media campaign or the next video, it's going to be all the more stronger because we've allowed God to be the master and true creator of that. I see that. It helps to have some of that context of your family upbringing. Like, this is something that I see often, but like within the Catholic world, like there's such a, a tendency, I think, towards perfectionism and like performance as a, I mean, it's just sort of like the Catholic guilt thing. Like it's cultural. It's just part of the way that we've sort of, I don't know, just lived. And Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of people that, that we work with on our team, like one of the things that we believe is that in order for people to really be effective and do work well, they have to really be living out of their desire and their passion and not out of like just sense of obligation and responsibility. And the way that we, we try to do that is like we'll walk with one team member for my brother and I literally will walk with them outside for like hours and just ask them questions that we do like with our clients about branding. We'll mm-hmm. do that with our team mm-hmm. and just like, what's your, to, to help them to see their story mm-hmm. from beginning to end mm-hmm. and see the wounds and see the issues and like to discover what they actually believe. And what's really amazed me is how much that sense of like needing to perform has just come up over and over and over and over and over again in my life and my brother's life and like all the lives of our team. And I just see it like, I see that as something that the father really wants to release us from mm-hmm. in a way that's like, don't be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. Come like, come follow me into the wil- into the wild, into the wilderness. This is yeah. an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Even that language of this being an adventure, like absolutely. It's like someone gave me the great advice. She said when when I left to start take on the position with Grotto, she said, allow this to be your playground with God. Have fun. And and that has been my like, I see it. Sometimes if I need to, I like I close my eyes and allow myself to like what does that feel like, right? Like we're called to be like children, right? And but this playground with God, right? I mean, come on, what could be more joyful and fun and high energy and everything that we would want it to be? <laughs> but yeah, looking at it as an adventure and not being afraid of greatness, right? But greatness in God's eyes. Don't be settled with mediocrity. You know, JP2 said, like, let down your nets for a catch, like throw it out into the deep. Doing that in a way of that Jesus is walking with us, Jesus is helping us throw those nets into the deep, it's much different than saying, I'm going to have the best product. I'm going to have the best. My team is going to be the best creative team out there. Whoa. Once we start doing that, mm -mm, major problems enter. Yeah. I mean, then you're right back into that performance mode. Like Mm -hmm. I have to be the best for everyone else to approve of me. (laughs) It's just like, it's such the tendency, man. It's like, it's so hard to escape it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, you just think of 
the words of mindfulness. And I keep walking past this one, one Barnes and Noble um, in South Bend, and I see the word mindfulness appearing more and more on magazine covers and new magazines that are out there that are talking about self-care. And, and I'm thinking, wow, like this is trying to fill a need, right? Why is it that there are so many articles and, and pieces of content that's going to help us to like settle our minds and settle our hearts? And so it's a real struggle for our generation for this world now. Um, but I do, I think, I think you hit it. it. The difference between like performance and the adventure with God, major, major difference. <laughs> when was a, a moment where like you really encountered God speaking to you that reality like, mm. where he was healing that need in you? Ah, uh, gosh, it's... So I love the water. I do love mountains too. I just like to be outside, <laughs> taking all God's glory. I think I might like the mountain, the water more than mountains. So I had this moment where I was sitting out by the ocean and just had a day to myself, right? Just really that moment I needed to kind of regroup and just kind of praying. And I was feeling maybe a little stuck and not sure how to release some of the, or invite God in to release some of the things I was holding on to. And so I just sat on the rocks and was just like, I could smell the ocean water and I could feel the breeze on my face and just loving every moment. And all of a sudden I had this vision of me being a little girl sitting on top of Jesus's shoulders and he was just like running through the sand and my arms were wide out and my hair was blowing and I felt as free as I had ever felt. And I thought, oh, Lord, you're inviting me to this. Like, you have ultimate freedom. Like, you will set me free. Nobody else but you will set me free. And in that, like, the joy and the freedom to feel like a child and being taken care of and, and uplifted on strong shoulders, uh, it was so powerful. And, and let me tell you, whenever I feel stuck or alone or lost, I close my eyes and I try to like, envision that clear view of, you know, Jesus just picking me up on his shoulders, you know, the, the, the lost lamb, he just picks you up and, and carries you and you've never felt more free and more grounded at the same time. So beautiful. I love that. One of the things that I've been trying to do in my own prayer life is journaling as soon as I wake up in the morning, first thing, and just like taking whatever image comes to me first and just kind of like journaling through that, inviting the Lord into it. To, to reveal to me whatever he's he's trying to say. It takes me to some crazy places, man. Just like when you first <laughs> wake up, you're like not fully awake. You're still kind of connected to your uh, your dream self. Mm -hmm. But I think there's like there's a really beautiful thing there that can happen. So anyway, I was like walking in this field and I saw the father walking with me and he was just kind of like an old man wearing like a, a jacket. It was kind of cold, gray morning, and we're like in this field and we come upon this dilapidated, ruined church. Mm. And the father says, I want you to rebuild my church. And I got so angry. I was, and it was like, I just started like cussing him out and like yelling at him, just being like, you've just like put this burden on my back. Mm -hmm. that is absolutely impossible. Like there is no hope. I don't know how to use the tools to do that. I'm just like here by myself. And this like church is freaking huge. Like, what do you think I'm going to do? You know? And just like saying all this stuff to him and he just like listened and took it. And then at the end, like when I was finally done, he's just like, let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> and we start like we were walking in a field and we come upon this church and the father says, do you like it? And I was like, yeah, I mean, sure. What do you mean? And he's like, I just thought it'd be really cool to build this together. <sighs> and I just like lost it. I just started <laughs> weeping. Like, it was just this release of like, oh, this is a father son activity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is just like him wanting to play with me and wanting to like be in relationship with me, not just like a burden that he's placing on me or an obligation or responsibility that he's going to just like put on my back and not, not carry mm -hmm. together, you know? Yeah. I think that's just something that like, I don't know, like I struggle with a lot. I'm, um, yeah. Just to, to know that, that he is the father that's, that's good. And that this isn't just a hopeless endeavor. Like, yeah, yeah. To, see, to see this like this dragon you know that we're trying to slay and mm -hmm. it'd be just like yeah i just 
this is a really fun thing that I want to do with you is, you know, like, yeah. how, do you, how do you have that perspective? But it's the one that we have to have. Mm-hmm. You know? But you know what? This is what I love about your story is that you were authentic back to the father, right? Like in that moment of like, you're cursing him out. Like you don't understand this, like how unfair this is. And, and what did the Lord do in that moment with you? He said, okay, let's do this again. And he was able to open your eyes to this beautiful gift that he was giving you of this, of walking together. But if you didn't come to him as your authentic self, you'd be building up this wall and he'd never be able to enter in and to teach you or to show you what he was inviting you to. And I I think that's what we often do is that we're afraid to come to the Lord just as we are. We try to make ourselves better. We try to fix ourselves before we go to him. And it's like, we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix these problems, you know? And I think he teaches us that, you know, or invites us like, no, come as you are. Like as you, I love you in that. And I love you so much that I'm going to take you out of that place and give you a new hope and give you new light. But when we don't come, when we, you know, put up our own walls before coming to him, it's harder. We limit, we limit God's love. The God, God's love is limitless. We just sometimes get in the way. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the ways that like you are trying to like make that happen for your team? You said there's the tendency of just asking for perfection as opposed to asking for God's best. Like, how do you encourage your team and the people around you to live the adventure as opposed to like carry the burden? So, I think it comes with giving people the freedom or encouraging them to build up their talents in service of the Father, right? To see that, you know, you really are an incredible graphic designer. Like, Brittany, our graphic designer, amazing work. I mean, if you go look at the Stations of the Cross that we did, and you could see her hand on illustration that she drew on the iPad, or if you look at, you know, other, some of the other graphic artwork that she's done, she really has this beautiful desire to make an impact. And it's kind of one of the reasons why she wanted to take the job. Like, she wanted to do something good for the world. And I could see that coming to life in her creativity. And, and I see when she has the moments of freedom to be her most free self, or the freedom to explore her creative genius and that power that God has gifted her with, not only does the artwork come to life, but I see Brittany come to life. And I know it's something as a manager that I'm looking into more of like, what can I do for each member of the team to build each member up? So not only in terms of professional development, like I, I feel like we owe that as church to a young generation. I, I believe we are called to form people in the best way possible. So not only do I want to think through how to help increase their own professional development, but increase um, this desire in their heart to go out in fullness of who they are, right? Bring their individual art and perspective to life. And so I'm exploring some new ways to do that. I'm hoping a couple months from now, I'm kind of creating this formation program that's not just going to look at what we need to do is set goals for Grotto, but how do we set these moments of inspiration for the team? That's awesome. I can't wait to hear more about that, how that yeah. works. But like, what do you think some of the some of the ways are that, so this is the tendency that I see, that I see happen, is like anytime that you are, you start to put yourself in, the need to like gain others' approval mm-hmm. into your work, mm-hmm. and you take your work's success as your identity. You're going to start to to crumble. Like mm-hmm. you, it might drive you to make really good things for a time, but like eventually, that drain is going to going to come out, and you're you're going to you're going to suffer. But as as managers, it's like super easy to either f- affirm that by like constantly just praising the thing that they're doing mm-hmm. uh, or to like affirm it by constantly criticizing and making people feel like they're never good enough. Yeah. So like, how do you, and I, I don't think it's necessarily just like about balance, but like, just, I don't know, as a leader, like it, it just seems like there's, there's something very deep in your hands that seems to be, yeah, I mean, it's just one of the biggest challenges I think as a leader to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you're right. It's like as leaders and managers, you're, you're balancing lots of different things. You're balancing the mission and, and the vision of your organization. And at the same time, responsible for the care of the people on your team. If we're truly missionary in what we're trying to do, then, you know, if we're encouraging Grotto followers, people who are engaging with our content to find new ways to explore their faith in a new light or, or, or ways to make it, you know, how to navigate the, the tough questions that they're asking, 
well, we need to, be, I need to be doing that with my team, right? We'd be failing if we're not doing that ourselves, right? If we're not living that out authentically. And so, and, and to balance like the good of Grotto and equals also the good of those on the team who are the content creators and, and the creative power behind all of the outreach that's going out. What's one thing that you have done with the team that has like produced inspiration for everyone? Allowing people to claim their piece of the outreach and lift that up. Emily with her creative um, social media outreach, she's not just limited to creating, you know, the social media content, you know, she's creating the Spotify playlist that we're doing, right? Giving her moments to expand her vision and expand her understanding of um, social media and evangelization for the church or building up Javi, our senior producer, to give him the freedom to say, okay, what are we going to do with this video? Like, do we need a new series? Like, let's expand our thought. Let's break down the visions that what we've had and, and how could we do things in a new way, right? So giving people the freedom to explore their different mediums and then bring that together to make a, a consolidated grotto outreach. I think that's what helps to give people that ability to shine in who they are. Because I'm incredibly proud of them, right? And tr- I truly believe that I-, I see the authenticity and the desire to, to make beautiful content for the world. And so keep setting them free to to do that, because when individuals are set free, the outreach is set free to expand and and be set on fire. That's so awesome. So actually, I don't know if like uh, we haven't really like done a lot of speaking about this publicly yet because we're still sort of testing it out. But we have crafted a why statement for Catholic creatives and it's we set creatives free so that a new renaissance can be unleashed. Mm, That's awesome. It's like if we want, I mean, so much of our attention for the first year of what we we were doing was focused on the Renaissance, like trying to build people's excellence and like get people to be encouraged to be more excellent. But like what we realized was that the things that were actually really effective that we were doing were not at all to do with actually trying to focus on that. Like Mm -hmm. everything that we did that focused on like giving creatives a sense of belonging and affirming their identity and like encouraging them to hope and giving them unity with the church and with each other Mm -hmm. that was really powerful and that was like setting people free to be themselves and the product of that is renaissance but like if we want that to happen we've got to focus on like giving people freedom i just Mm -hmm. think that's amazing that's like where you're where you're headed to Maybe that maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying to all Catholic creatives out there, like, this is my vision. This is my vision for the Catholic imagination in 2018, right? Like, this is go, be set free, you know, and transform. And yeah, may, maybe we we all need to listen to that in a real intense way. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. <laughs> I just want to ask a couple more questions sure. before we close up. Super grateful for your time, just the willingness to come on, speak your heart, be vulnerable and and dream with us. But let, let me just ask, like, what's one thing that you believe that maybe other Catholics might not totally understand? Hmm. You know, I believe that there is a way to radically live out the gospel um, in its most full sense uh, in today's divisive world. I think sometimes I say to myself, I don't fit into any bucket. I don't fit into any category. And I think if we gave ourselves the freedom to do that, I think that we would see maybe less division in the world. So I want to encourage people like, no, you could be radically pro-life and you could love the environment. You could be wanting to build up a free trade movement on your college campus and believe that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Like you could embrace all of that. And not only can you embrace all of that, we're invited to embrace all of that. And so I I think that we live in a world that says you have to be A or B, you have to be X or this. And and I want to say, you know what? Nope. We as Catholics have a beautiful world vision that expands any party, any bucket that you want to be placed in. And I think it's possible to live that out. Do I think it's easy? No. And you may f- and you may feel alone, but I think it's a radical challenge. But the gospel is radical and radical things happen when you give yourselves the permission and beg God for the courage to live out a radical way of being. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can love the Latin mass and appreciate praise and worship music. Yeah, why not, right? Like, think about it. God is so vast. Why do we want to box him in? Like, God is bigger than any imagination that we have, and he makes him, he reveals himself to us in a different way. And I think I've learned that, right? Going back to, you know, the story of my brother and my uncle, they may not have the intellect to be able to explore the faith the way other people can, but I know for certain they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And so if that is true, then so is the ability to be able to express our worship in a way that makes makes most sense to our heart. So live it out and like embrace the encounter with Jesus. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good way to like close that out, man. It's awesome. How can people follow you and, and hear more of your words? Yeah. It's been such an encouraging conversation. Like what's the how do people connect with you? Yeah, so I would say follow Gradle Network, right? We're trying to tell stories, authentic stories, stories of boldness and of hope and of goodness. And we're we're ready to walk with you, right? We know that this world is not easy. We need help navigating the craziness um, of life as, as a young person. And so it's grottonetwork.com. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out on Tuesdays about three stories and a call to action you'll get in your inbox. And then we're on social media at Grotto Network. And so follow along, but join the conversation and, and tell us too. Tell us, comment on our post, comment on our Facebook page or on our, our tweets or Instagram posts and, and tell us what you want to hear. And and we'll listen to that because we want we want to make beautiful stories, but we want to do that together. We want to walk with you. So good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Love it. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's of been course. such an awesome conversation. I just really appreciate your willingness to to just follow the Lord into into the playground. Then <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, and thank you for what you do because as Catholic creatives, right, we need the support of each other. You know, going back to the conversation earlier, you know, the the early Christian community. I mean, communities. And they walked to their death singing, number one, yes, because they believed in the good news, but they were walking with another. We need support of each other, and it's only going to make us more creative and more connected. And And so thank you. Like, thank you. Thank you for lifting up the beauty and the artwork and the outreach of um, Catholic creatives out there. And, and keep doing that. Like, keep being you and, and keep creating that platform where people can collaborate and, and can show the world that, you know, no, we're going to we're going to break the outcome. <laughs> We're going to transform this and, and be artists that are going to not only reveal truth and goodness, but artists that inspire, inspire hope. So good. Thank you, Sarah. This has been awesome. We'll definitely have to have to do another one. Somewhere. Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll definitely uh, talk again soon. Great. Thank you. In 2016, we issued a call to creatives, entrepreneurs, designers, and artists from all over the continent to come together in Dallas because we believed that the time was right for a new renaissance to take place in the church. 85 of the most talented young Catholic leaders in the Americas answered the call, coming together because of this shared vision. And what took place at that summit was a flowering of community that was beyond description. And it is now clear that new Da Vinci's, Mozart's, Michelangelo's, Beethoven's, and Medici's are being brought together to blaze new trails for the gospel, to build new businesses, ministries, and works of art that will be catalysts for massive culture change. And if you are listening to this, then you have also answered this call, and we are so grateful for your participation in this movement. If you want to hear more from the speakers, participate in monthly professional development webinars and be publicly represented on the Catholic Creatives website, you can make this happen by supporting us on Patreon. Your support and your commitment are vital for the growth and mission of Catholic Creatives. And the rewards are awesome. So your help means everyone can benefit even more from our community this year as we sponsor our creative projects and plan next year's summit. The time is right for a new renaissance, a counter wave of beauty. Our world needs aesthetically and philosophically articulate leaders, artists, creatives, and risk takers. Our world needs you. We'll look forward to hearing more from you in the community on Facebook and Slack, and at the regional meetups and at the summit. We'll see you there. Thank you.